Good morning. We are glad that you're here today. My name is Paul. I'm one of the pastors here at Hope, if you are a guest with us. And I uh, just want to thank you for worshiping us in person and online this morning. So we're launching this rather week, a brand new sermon series called The Culture of Hope. You can see that on the front of your bulletins. Uh, we got banners here in church. And, and how this sermon series arose is from a lot of questions that were asked the last couple years in this congregation. Uh, one of the things that my predecessor, Pastor Chuck, talked about all the time was culture, culture, culture. Uh, culture is a shared set of values, shared set of values and actions that define an organization, a system. That could be a family, that could be a church, it could be a city. And, and culture, intending to the culture of places, is very important. And, and so when uh, that transition in leadership happened, one of the things that I did was I went around and I talked to uh, people, leaders of our church, key volunteers, pastors, staff, and I filled up notebooks asking this question, what makes hope, hope? What is the, the culture of hope? And, and literally had just tons of stories and stuff. And, and so we put them up on um, big pieces of paper, whiteboards, and we began to look for connections. And, and sure enough, I was hoping we'd get two or three but we actually came up with 13 distinct cultural values that we think have defined this congregation, off, some from the beginning, since 1958, when Hope Lutheran was started. And so this fall, we're going to look at that. And I want you to uh, think about this truth in, in, in this way, that when we talk about culture of hope, uh, we, we mean, yes, our congregation, like what makes this place this place. Who are we? Why do we exist? And why is that important? This is a rallying of us in mission. But when we say culture of hope, it's also true that this is a biblical reality. This is, this is who we are as God's children and God's people as we live out our faith in this world. And so I think you'll find that this sermon series is actually very practical, very practical for our day-to-day -day lives and how we live that up. Uh, so the first one I'm going to tackle today is called Jesus First. Jesus First. One of the things that I just love uh, about this church and everybody that, that I talk to is that it is absolutely abundantly clear that this is a congregation full of people that love Jesus. That this is a congregation full of people that love Jesus. And one of the cultural values of this place, an important thing in all the decisions that we make and, and all that we do and we try to live out in this life, is putting Jesus at the top. Making sure that Jesus is on the throne. Putting Jesus first. Jesus said that in our gospel today. He said, seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. So seek first. What are we seeking first? Well, the kingdom of God was ushered into our world in the person of Jesus Christ. And so we are a congregation that, that, above all things, seeks Jesus. So what does this mean? How, how do we live this out? Well, I want to uh, give you two kind of illustrations for how that works out today. I think most of us, when we think of our life, tend to think of it like this. If we could put up that pie chart. We tend to think of it this way, right? 
that our life is full of categories. Maybe the categories are different. Obviously, this is a simple chart. There's probably more complex than this, and the, and the size of the chart doesn't represent the time we put in there. I didn't get that detailed. But, you know, we have things like finances and health and work and family, friends, recreation, school. And then I put home and sleep because if you're like me, uh, those two you, you don't know where to insert into the pie sometimes because of all the other stuff that is going on. And, and, and this is our lives. And, and we have these categories. And sure, they overlap, but we have these distinct things. But faith, for most of us or for many in our culture today, we see as just another part of the pie. Just like work and, and just like everything else, faith is something we do perhaps once a week, uh, perhaps once in a while. We carve out some time for Jesus. But Jesus first actually doesn't work that way. Jesus first means something more like this. That when it comes to our health, our work, our finances, our friends, our recreation, our school, yes, even our sleep, everything, Jesus is first in all things. That in everything we are, everything we do, Jesus Christ is the center. Are you living that way? That's the question today. Are, are you living that way? Is Jesus Christ at the center of your every breath, of every decision you make in everything you do in this world? Okay, here's, a, here's another way to look at this, and I apologize if not everybody can see this. But I didn't know else to do that. I like to draw pictures sometimes, okay? Uh, in our congregation, when it means Jesus is first, uh, a lot of things that, that we do is important that we keep our priorities straight. And when you keep Jesus at the center, when you keep Jesus first, it aligns everything else. So when it comes to the, the church world, the center of the circle is something I like to call absolutes. Another very churchy word for that is things that are orthodox, meaning they're historically true, they're biblically true. So the absolutes are the things that we need to have unity in. This is the Holy Trinity, that God is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. This is the Apostles' Creed. This is the Ten Commandments. Uh, this is that Jesus Christ is Savior and Lord. This is the authority of Scripture in our lives. These are absolutes. You guys understand what that means? That they're, they're absolutely true in our lives. Uh, and they're important for our unity as Christians. This is what makes Christians Christians. What's interesting to note is that in 20 years of ministry, I've never received a phone call or an email asking me to clarify what we believe on the absolute. So that's either very good because it's abundantly clear, or it means maybe we got our priorities out of whack and we're not really clarifying what's truly important. So those are the absolutes. After the absolutes comes convictions. And convictions are the things that we believe because of our faith to really, really, really be true. These are things like how we practice Holy Communion. Do we baptize babies or do we baptize adults? Uh, convictions are things we really, really believe to be true, but you could probably make a biblical argument either other way, and, and Christians do. Convictions are important, but they're not necessary for unity. Does that make sense? 
They're not necessary for unity. The absolutes are necessary for unity. So those are convictions. And then after convictions, you get what's important. And I'm not going to write important, but not essential for salvation. And so it would be something that's important, but not essential for salvation. Well, these are the things that we argue on Facebook all the time about. Right? And in the 20 years of ministry that I've done and the pastors that we do, this is where we get the phone calls. This is what people want to, to argue about. This is where we get divided as a church. And the thing about these things, these, these are very important issues, moral concerns, is that they are important. I'm not negating that in any way. It's important as a culture, as a society, as Christians, we figure out what does God's will in this? What is right? What is wrong? How do we live that out in our lives? They're important, but they're not necessarily essential for salvation, right? Now, the thing about these important but essential things is that as soon as we start engaging them, especially in a public way, they want to take center stage. And when they do, there's division in the church, right? Lots of churches have been divided along these lines. This is the church that is against this. This is the church that's against that. This is the church that believes this. And what you find in those congregations is you have a congregation full of people that think and believe alike. Well, I hope we fight that. Because we believe that the, the center of the circle is Jesus Christ. He's the absolute. That he is Lord and Savior. And his call to love in this world is informing and greater than all these things. And I believe that I'm not, by my powers of persuasion, going to change anybody's minds about what I really believe to be true in terms of what's important, but the Holy Spirit can. And so our first and foremost goal is to introduce people to Jesus Christ. Here's another reason why this is important. A lot of people are asking this question. Can we ever get beyond the polarization and the division that we have in our culture today? How do we get beyond that? Well, the way you get beyond that, this is what Jesus teaches us, is you cast a vision that is bigger than the division. You cast a vision that is bigger than the division. So Jesus came into this world, and he cast a vision of humanity and eternity that is bigger than any earthly division we may struggle with. Another thing I want to say about these important things, we do need to talk about them. We do need to talk about this, but I'm, I'm convinced, this is, this is a matter of my conviction, I'm convinced as a pastor that public platforms like newspaper articles, social media posts are not good ways to talk about deeply divisive, important subjects. That as humble followers of Christ, the way that we should engage the world in terms of these things that are dividing us is face-to-face, -face, sitting down over a cup of coffee or whatever it is with your Bible open in conversation with each other. 
And as long as we continue to have these one-sided arguments where we just tell people what we think and they have to get in line and we like them or we don't like them, we're going to fail. We're going to fail, right? We need to find that the absolutes, that Jesus at the center informs all things. So we have absolutes, convictions, and importance. And then outside of here are matters of opinion. And this is, uh, this is what song should we sing? How should we play that song? What type of instrumentation should we use? Right? What style of worship should we have? Uh, all those things, they're, they're, they're not in Scripture. They're, they're simply tradition. And tradition is important, and we honor that where it's appropriate, uh, but they are a matter of opinion. What's interesting is these things often are the things that split churches. Not these. Right? And that's, that's sin. That's simply sin. The most absolute thing that we know as a church is that Jesus Christ is Lord and Savior. And that's why our mission to encourage all people to know the love of Jesus Christ is centered around reaching people for Jesus. Now, keeping Jesus at the center is hard today. It's hard. And it's hard because I think our culture plays it off as Christians that we have very limited options. What I mean by that is that, that our contemporary American culture wants to tell us if we're a follower of Christ, we have one of two options. The first is cultural accommodation. What does that mean? It's that we're a follower of Christ. We should pick a side. We're either the left or the right sort of Christian. And what we see both the left and the right doing is starting with their political ideology and then conforming Scripture to that. And adopting, right, practice and belief systems that are not necessarily Jesus-oriented, they're not necessarily biblical, but fit those things. And, and so you see churches go either direction, either to the left or to the right, and very strongly. And that's cultural accommodation, meaning our culture is influencing the gospel more so than the gospel's influencing our culture. Or secondly, we see the other option is this. Rather than cultural accommodation, being engaged in the world this way, the option is retreat. And you see a lot of Christians doing that today. And the idea, this is the language that you'll hear. Well, the world is ending. Yes, it is. It has been for 2,000 years since the beginning, right? We don't know the day because Jesus told us that only the Father in heaven knows when that is. If the world is ending, it's all going to, you know where, in a handbag, and so we're just going to retreat. I'm going to do me, you do you. I'm going to hide out from the world, protect my own, take care of my, my little community, my family, my network, and everybody else can just do whatever they want because it's all going to pot. And we think that these are the two options. But the truth of the matter is neither one of those are Jesus' options. If Jesus is the first then, then we have a much different stance. And, and what I would call that is an incarnational reality in this world. Meaning just like God became flesh and lived among us, as Christians, we are to put, have the Holy Spirit in us and, and live out God's calling Jesus Christ in this world. Jesus, after all, said, 
be in the world, but not of it. Be in the world, but not of it. We remember that we are children of God, that that's our identity, that, that we have been claimed with a great price on the cross. But that claiming is not so that we can run away. It's not so that we can conform the gospel to our image. It's so that we can be transformed into the image of God and we can go out and live abundantly God's love and grace in this world. That's what that means. It means that Jesus is first. In our gospel today, in Matthew, the people are, are, are gathered to hear Jesus preach. He's on a hillside. There's a large crowd there. It's, and he recognizes that they're, they're in the world. They're worried about the daily needs of life, like what we're going to eat, what we're going to wear, how we integrate all that stuff into our lives. And Jesus says to them, remember this, seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. Seek first. Put God first. I am the Lord your God. You shall have no other gods before me. The first commandment, number one, seek him first, and all these things will be added on to you. So what does this mean? If Jesus is first, I am not. This is the first battle. If Jesus is first, I am not. That means that every day that I wake up and in every decision I make about every area of my life, it's not asked the question, what's in it for me? What will make me comfortable? What will be safe for me? What will be convenient for me? What will make me happy? It's asking the question, what does Jesus want from me and for me? And how can he use me in this situation? In every aspect of our life. If Jesus is first, you cannot be. We need to follow into his example and adopt a, a servant posture. And I have to tell you, this is countercultural, right? It's countercultural. I wasn't raised this, this well, I was raised to be a person of faith, but this world, I like to win. Anybody else? Right? I like to be number one. I, I want my way to happen. I can be stubborn and ornery and grumpy and demanding about it. Anybody else? I'm just confessing to you today. It's true. When I get self-centered and when I think this life is all about me, that's how I get. I like to win. But Jesus doesn't call us to win. Instead, he radically calls us to the opposite. He says the first should be last and the last shall be first. He calls us to lose. He doesn't call us to exalt ourselves. He calls us to exalt him. He doesn't call us to be victorious. He calls us to be sacrificial and to love boldly as he has loved. This, this looks like this. So, so what following Jesus means is, is taking this servant posture in this world. What following Jesus is not, it's not this. It's not proving our point and arguing to win. You know, people outside of the church today, outside of, uh, of our culture, and just a reminder, there's 75,000 people in Fargo, Moorhead, West Fargo, that do not go to church ever. What they say when they look as Christians is that Christians, Christians are arrogant, and all they're concerned about is winning their way. 
and proving their point. Look, the point of a Christian is not to somehow win people to intellectually agree with our argument. It's to humbly love them, sincerely engage in their lives so that they will see this transformed spirit within us and desire what we have. And that's messy, and it's hard, and it's uncomfortable, and it's difficult. But following Jesus is not, it's, it's, it's not cowardice. Some people look at this, and, and I've been accused, you know, well, why don't you, you know, stand up and just let people have it on everything you believe about what's important and all that stuff, you know, in your sermons or something like that. You're a coward. No. Following Jesus, keeping Jesus at the center and keeping his love and his grace and truth at the center of every interaction and everything we do takes the most strength and courage that we could ever have because it requires us to empty ourselves, to die to ourselves so that Jesus can take over. And finally, following Jesus is not us versus them. We, we got to get out of this mindset that there's us as the Christians and then there's them that you know, we need to, to win over or we need to, to conquer in some way. No, there is no them in the body of Christ. There is no them in this world. There's just simply all of us at the foot of the cross. And everybody we meet, everybody encounter is another person whom God's love, whom God loves. So what do we do? We need to put Jesus first all the time. In the morning, when you're eating breakfast, when you have lunch, when you go to work, when you're tired, when you're full of energy, when you're at the gym, when things are good, when things are bad, when you come home in the evening to have supper, when you're, when you're talking with the people that you love, when you're hanging out with your friends, you need to put Jesus first. We're called to put Jesus first at all time. Give him your time because you know what? 365, 24-7, it all belongs to him already. Seven days a week, it belongs to Jesus. Put Jesus first in all time. Put Jesus first in all things, in your health, in your finances, in your relationships, in your vacations, in your goals, in everything. And dare I even say it, put Jesus first in your politics. Please put Jesus first in that as well. Don't put that above everything else. He is Lord. You know, the truth is, is that Jesus will be first one way or another. Philippians 2 reminds us that every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. That's the reality we're all headed to. He doesn't just want to be a slice of the pie. He wants to be the pie, to be a part of every single moment of our life. Everything in all of creation was created by him, for him, through him. The cross of Jesus Christ is the beginning of and the end of all time and reality. Jesus Christ is the Alpha and the Omega. He is the beginning and the end. God's love for us and his will for humanity is fully revealed to us in the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. This is our, our meaning. This is our purpose. This is our joy. This is our foundation. If your life seems upside down right now, 
It's because things are out of order. Put Jesus first. And when we work to put Jesus first in all things, then he begins to order all things according to his will. Seek God first. Seek his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. Scripture says, confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that he is Lord. Jesus is at the door, and he's knocking And we're called to invite him in and receive his love. He is why we exist. We are called to gain an eternal perspective. If you want life to make sense, if you want life to have meaning, if you want it to have purpose, put Jesus first. Jesus first in all things. And finally, think about this. Everything that you have, every possession, every relationship, Even your very life could be gone this hour. It could. And there's lots of scenarios that could happen that can make that come true. But there's only one thing that you can possess that nothing in all of creation can take away from you. And that is the love of God in Jesus Christ. It's eternal. His forgiveness is real. We're called to put God first, not because we're earning our salvation, but because Jesus puts us first on the cross. And he says, no matter how many times you mess this up and you're self-centered and you put the things of this world and you seek the things rather than seeking the one that made them, no matter how many times when you turn to him for forgiveness, he forgives and it restores. And so we love because he loves. We put Jesus first because he puts you first on the cross. Amen. Thank you, Lord, for your grace and love today and that you put us first on the cross. In your holy name we pray. Amen.